Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It's Football, Not Soccer, a podcast dedicated to the beautiful game with an emphasis on the United States and Mexico. This is your host once again, Daniel Cervantes, bringing you another exciting episode as this is part two of the November 2023 Men's International Break Super Special. This last weekend gave us many exciting games, especially, of course, on the international stage, as the men's international break blew through in full force and wrapped up nicely on this past Tuesday, the 21st of November, which means we got ourselves some good recaps coming forward. This episode is being recorded on Friday, the 24th of November, as originally planned, as the plans I had did break in my favor. It gave me a chance to remain on schedule and not have to worry about having to crunch an episode in together on this past Wednesday. So the topics we'll be covering in today's special include La Liga MX, the play-in round in the quarterfinals, La Liga de Expansión MX's quarterfinals and semifinals, Liga MX Femenil's semifinals and finals, the CONCACAF Nations League, the Euro qualifiers, CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers, and maybe, pending on the time, German football. Starting to get into that European transition I had mentioned multiple times in the last couple of episodes. So, of course, you know, I mentioned it. U.S. leagues are all on their winter breaks, so, you know, German football is set to take their place, but, of course, we'll see, pending on that time. Regardless, let's get right into it with some Mexican football. So after about a week off for the international break, Mexico's top flight, Liga MX, returned to action actually last night with the beginning of the play-in round. Because, of course, 10 teams qualify. Got to get those nice, even numbers for the quarterfinals. And so we had to have a play-in round. So last night we saw, first of all, San Luis narrowly defeating Leon at home 3-2 to automatically advance into the quarterfinals as the seventh seed. So they took advantage of a Leon own goal in the third minute, which probably one of the worst ways I can imagine starting out a crucial match like that. And then Jurgen Dam and Sebastian Lemange were able to put on a pair of goals as well in order to help San Luis hold on despite Leon's best efforts in order to pick up the win and automatically advance. In the second match of the night, in the second match of the night, excuse me, San Luis narrowly defeated Mazatlan at home. 2 to 1 to automatically knock out Mazatlan from further competition. Juan Bruneta carried the fight for Santos as he picked up a pair of goals, notching himself a brace in order to propel them into the next round of the play-in round bracket. So, looking ahead at what's to come, Leon and Santos will actually play each other on Sunday the 26th for the right to be the 8th seed in the main Apertura bracket. That match is currently set for kickoff at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon Mountain Standard Time. Of course, that may change, and once it wraps up, we'll know for sure who is heading into the main bracket as the final team, who will be continuing their quest for glory. The quarterfinals will begin on Tuesday the 28th, with the first leg matches also currently set to be played on that day at about 5 o'clock in the evening Mountain Standard Time again. Take that with a grain of salt. These can always change any time between now and then. So as it stands, top-seeded America, my favorite team, the team I am most partial to, is actually currently waiting on the result from this coming Sunday between Leon and Santos to see who they'll be playing in the two-leg matchups. We know for sure that Monterrey will play San Luis as a result. We will see Tigres versus Puebla and Pumas de Unam versus Chivas de Guadalajara as the other quarterfinal matchups. Lower seeds will be hosting the first leg matchups on Tuesday, 
And of course, those are currently, you know, those times we'll see what happens there. The second leg matchups will actually be set for next Friday, the 1st of December. So we'll be talking about those more in detail in the next episode. Out of all the matchups that I see right now, I think the Pumas versus Chivas matchup is probably the most even one. Um, I will say Pumas, they've had a pretty big issue with avoiding bookings this season. as They have led the league with 56 yellow cards just in the Apertura. That is an absurd rate of picking up bookings. Because after all, there were only 17 matches during this half of the season. So they were picking up yellow cards like they were candy. Ultimately, we'll see what comes out from what's set to be a very exciting set of matches. Of course, we're waiting for Sunday to see who will move on to play America. And then from there, we're into the main beef of it all, seeing who will move on and continue their glory and seek the crown of the 2023 Apertura. Moving on now to the second level of Mexican football, La Liga de Expansión. You know, they powered through the playoffs despite the international break because for the most part, those rosters down in that level, once striking to the second level onward, the rosters aren't nearly as affected as the top flight rosters. Just, you know, got to get that top talent for your, you know, your national team. So from there, those lower leagues, not too much of an effect. So the second leg matches of the quarterfinals actually kicked off on Saturday, this past Saturday with Atlante actually storming back to defeat Cimarrones de Sonora at home 4-2 to even up the aggregate. In Mexican football, the away, goal, the away goals rule, which most competitions use, where if you concede more goals at home, you end up being the loser, is not in effect actually. So, as a result, Atlante actually ended up advancing because they were more potent at home. Four goals at home versus Simorones is only two goals at home. And so they advanced even though it was a tied up 4-4 aggregate. Um, the most brutal part of this, though, was the fact that Simorones actually had the lead. They committed, though, a brutal error, an own goal in the fourth minute of second half stoppage time in order to end their season. So it's not bad enough that you give up a goal just to tie and end your season, but an own goal is probably one of the worst ways I can imagine your season ending. Josue Reyes just in the wrong place at the wrong time and essentially just <laughs> the dagger in his own team's hopes. So as a result, Atlante advanced to the semifinals in probably the biggest nail-biting fashion out of them all. Then in the second match on Saturday, Leones Negros defeated Morelia at home 2-0 to narrowly snatch away the aggregate lead 3-2 in advance as Carlos Fierro and Edson Torres scored in the 25th and 27th minutes, not very far apart. And that was all that was needed to take the win. Morelia tried their hardest but were not able to crack that defense. And so they watched their season end there. On Sunday, the first uh, match of the second leg, it was Cancun narrowly defeating Venados at home 2-1 to one to tie the aggregate and, of course, move on. All the scoring occurred in the second half as Venados took the lead on a William Guzman goal on the hour before conceding goals to Raul Castillo and Arturo Sanchez to see their season end early. In the second match, well, Mineros de Zacatecas, they were just completely dominant. 5-2 victory over Tepatitlan at home in order to secure a dominant 7-2 aggregate in order to advance. Juan Blanco picked up the brace in the win, and as it stands, you know, Mineros put up by far the most dominant showing in the quarterfinals. Something to keep an eye out moving into the semis. 
Semifinals, speaking of, actually kicked off on Wednesday just a couple of days ago with Atlante defeating Leones Negros at home 3-1, a big aggregate lead into leading into the second leg. While the night was mostly terrible for Leones Negros, including the fact that Arturo Ledesma committed an own goal in the 18th minute, the first goal that Atlante would get that night, Leones Negros were able to get something positive, though, Adrian Villalobos, giving them an 84th minute goal, mostly a consolation prize. However, in these two aggregate matchups, that is a critical, critical goal. Can really have a lot of effect, because after all, that means in the second leg, all they need to do is score two, try to shut out Atlante, and they'll be able to move on to the final. Um, so, at least they have some hope. However, you know, three one down 3-1, not the best situation. Last night, the first leg of the semifinals wrapped up as Mineros de Zacatecas picked up a very close 1-0 victory at home over Cancun. So despite being down a man because Carlos Sanchez was sent off on a straight red card in the 69th minute, Mineros took the lead seven minutes later in what ultimately was the game winner as Luis Raso was able to score, give his team the lead, and then they clamped down to ride out the rest of the matchup and go into the second leg with a very narrow one-goal advantage. Semifinals will continue tomorrow night, Saturday the 25th, with Leones Negros hosting Atlante, currently set to be kicked off at 8.05 Mountain Standard Time in the night. Yeah, that's a very late matchup. I'll be tuning into that one, but, you know, that's a pretty late matchup, all things considered. And then Sunday, it'll wrap up with Cancun versus Mineros at 4 o'clock in the afternoon Mountain Standard Time. As a result, we'll be likely recapping the first match of the finals in next week's episode, just because how the timing has been going on so far this season. And, you know, we have some good matchups overall, honestly. Pretty good matchups. I hope to keep a close eye on these ones, especially because of the fact that I'm kind of partial to Leones Negros and Mineros, largely because of the fact that those are teams a bit more local to where my family is from down there in Mexico. Whoever comes out on top, though, they're going to be fighting for a chance to get crowned themselves the champions, and honestly... I can't wait to see the results in that one. We'll see who comes out on top, who maybe gets an advantage into the finals next week, but you know, we'll see what's going on. It's going to be some exciting stuff regardless. Moving on now to La Liga MX Femenil, the top Mexican women's league. The semifinals started last week, and the second matchup actually kicked off after last week's recording. So, the last matchup from last week was a scoreless draw between Monterrey and Tigres on Friday the 17th, making it where the second leg matchup was winner-take-all. Second legs kicked off on Sunday with América narrowly defeating their big old rival Chivas 2-1 at home in order to advance on a 4-2 aggregate, and now they are playing for the title. Despite being down a player, uh, being down a player because Christian Ham... Christian Hammer, Hammer, uh, I am stumbling over these names today. My apologies. So Christian Jaramillo, she got sent off due to a double yellow in the 63rd minute. Chivas was actually able to take the lead as Cassandra Montero put in a goal six minutes later. Fortunately for them, they ended up conceding goals to Kiana Palacios and Andrea Pereira in order to see their championship hopes dashed. Final match of the semifinals did then wrap up on Monday with Tigres narrowly dispatching their major rivals, Monterrey, at home 1-0. Stephanie Mayor gave Tigres the lead in the 82nd minute after a long bout of scores battling, and from there, 
Tigres head on, held on in order to advance to the finals. And so now we knew, now we know who is moving on and fighting for the crown. The Liga MX finals actually begin tonight. This is the 24th of November as America will host Tigres in the first league, first leg. Man, I am just, English is not my language today. Can you tell? That kickoff is currently set for 7 o'clock tonight. Mountain Standard Time should be quite exciting. Second leg will then be on Monday, kicking off at the same time as Tigres, being the higher seed, will host. Tigres, they're currently on the search for their sixth Liga MX Femenil title, while America is currently searching for their third. And of course, America right now stand as the league champions due to their victory in this year's Clausura. So either way, best of luck to both squads. Of course, America a bit more. That's the team I am favoring. Um, both matches should be exciting. Of course, that first leg match tonight, I'll be tuning in without a doubt to see what kind of chaos comes out. And hey, maybe, just maybe, my America, Las Aguilas, come out on top of Tigres, and we'll see what goes on from there. But by next week's episode, we will know who are the 2023 Liga MX Femenil Apertura champions. Will it be Tigres with their sixth or America with their third? Who knows? We'll keep an eye on it nonetheless. Moving on now, we are able to finally get to the international stage once again. The big, big men's international break with so many matches all over the place this last weekend. Starting off, of course, more locally with CONCACAF. And of course, that very chaotic Nations League. Since there are, were again so many matches, if you listened to last week's episode, you know exactly how many matches. We're going to keep the recaps relatively brief. So first of all, Last Friday, a lot of these matches happened after the recording. We saw Montserrat nearly defeat the Dominican Republic at home 2-1. Nicaragua dominate Barbados on the road 4-0. Bermuda defeating St. Vincent and the Grenadines at home 3-1. We saw Belize narrowly defeat French Guiana at home 1-0. Then we saw a big, big matchup. Honduras upsetting Mexico at home 2-0 to take a major lead in their two-leg matchup because, of course, Nations League, A, the top one, they are doing a quarterfinal bracket, two-leg bracket, and so that was a tough match to watch um, for me. Um, yeah, very disappointing matchup from Mexico there. Of course, then Guillermo Ochoa, Memo, the top goalkeeper, iconic goalkeeper from Mexico, got injured, and he was going to be out for the second leg. So it wasn't exactly a pleasant matchup to watch, to say the least, if you were a Mexico fan such as myself. On Saturday, we saw Canada narrowly defeat Jamaica on the road 2-1 to take a crucial first leg advantage. That game was actually postponed today due to weather, and so they were making it up. We also saw Bonaire dominate Angola on the road 3-0. And then Puerto Rico narrowly defeating Antigua and Barbuda on the road 3-2. On Sunday, not too many matchups. We saw, first of all, the match between the Bahamas and Guyana postponed due to weather. Then we saw Guadeloupe dominate St. Kitts and Nevis at home 5-0, and St. Martin narrowly defeating St. Lucie on the road 2-1. On Monday, a bit more matchups. We saw Aruba dominate the Cayman Islands at home 5-1. Dominica defeat Turks and Caicos Islands at home 2-0. Montserrat pick up a nice 4-2 victory at home over Barbados. And then we saw Trinidad and Tobago narrowly upset the United States at home 2-1 because the United States just cannot win in Trinidad and Tobago anymore. However, they were eliminated on the 4-2 aggregate as the 3-0 victory for the United States in the first leg was really what kept them afloat despite a match that was really, 
really ugly for the U.S. Of course, we had Serginho Dest get <laughs> in one of the funkiest situations I've ever seen. He got sent off on a double yellow in one incident. Dest lost his temper, punted the ball away, immediately picking up a yellow card as a result. And then, because he was not quite happy with the officiating, excuse me, the officiating that game, he then decided to pretty much keep talking to the official, which, you know, not exactly the best decision, including blowing a kiss at the official. And as a result, he was get shown the second yellow card automatically, getting the red card as a result, being sent off and give, leaving the U.S. down a man for a pretty hefty amount of time. And well, now, you know, uh, obviously a lot of U.S. national team fans were not exactly happy because, you know, you don't want to see your player lose their temper to such a degree and get ejected from a game because, you know, yeah, you know, the officials, they're going to make some just, you know, decisions that you're not going to be happy with, but that's just the way of the game and you just can't sabotage your team by deciding to get into a shouting match with the official. So he was sent off. A lot of his teammates were rightfully rightfully angry with him, including Matt Turner, the U.S. goalkeeper. And it was just an ugly, ugly affair. And, you know, the U.S. got pretty fortunate not to have conceded more goals because, again, that, you know, the aggregate 4-2 in their favor. However, you know, can't you can't, you just, you just can't have those kinds of events occur if you want to go far. And so they're moving on to the semifinals, however, not in the fashion that they really wanted to. So also Dest will not be able to play in the semifinals, because of course the red card comes with it, a suspension, so he will not be playing for the men's national team, U.S. men's national team, in the next part of the Nations League uh, competition. So, not great, not a great showing nonetheless, but the U.S. did move on as a result. Then the final match from Monday, we saw Panama defeat Costa Rica at home 3-1 to advance on a very dominant 6-1 aggregate, a very comfortable lead for Panama, and so they move on to the semifinals. On Tuesday, a lot of games once again as we saw French Guyana give a handy defeat to Bermuda at home 3-0. St. Vincent and the Grenadines then picked up the exact same result against Belize, also at home. St. Martin dominated Bonaire on the road 4-0. Guyana dismantled Antigua and Barbuda at home 6-0. Puerto Rico also dominated the Bahamas at home 6-1. Jamaica narrowly upset Canada on the road 3-2 tying up the aggregate and then advancing on away goals because, again, Jamaica scored more goals on the road. Away goals, as a result, means you, Jim, you know, Canada, fortunately, you are done. And so a big, big, big win for Jamaica on the road. And so from there, we also saw Nicaragua pick up a scoreless draw with the Dominican Republic. And then, well, very wild one. Mexico wins at home against Honduras and, well, this was an absolutely wild affair. I watched the entirety of it. I think it went until almost 11 o'clock my time, which you know, I usually go to bed closer to 10, so I was staying up. Um, this was just a wild one, though. Final score was in favor 2-0 to Mexico at home. However, since, again, both teams won 2-0, there was no away goals to me to automatically move them on, so that meant it was going to extra time. From extra time, nobody scored. It went to penalties. And Mexico ultimately came out on top 4-2 to in penalties to advance with Honduras experiencing quite a devastating loss. And this was largely their own fault. Uh, Honduras was committing a lot of time-wasting tactics. They were deliberately trying to waste time in a lot of that match. 
And as a result, it opened the door enough for Mexico to really squeak out the victory. So, you know, little tangent here, you know, time-wasting is an age-old part of football. You know, without a doubt, you know, for years, time-wasting has been a facet. It's been inevitable. However, modern technology has kind of made time-wasting a bit of a more of a gamble than it ever has been. Because modern technology means that the refs and the officials no longer have to really guess and estimate how much time the ball has not been rolling. Now, they can have down to the second how much time is being wasted. You know, this means they can add absolutely, you know, just precise amounts of extra time and so on. And so, Honduras, as a result, they were wasting a lot of time with an absurd amount of injury faking. You know, this included even to the fact that their goalkeeper, Edric Menjivar, was even given a yellow card as a result for all of his time wasting. And so, as a result, first of all, all of that time wasting in the second half, trying to avoid conceding the second goal to Mexico to tie it up, they wasted nine minutes within the first within that second half. So that meant nine minutes of stoppage time. And then here's another thing: if you waste time in stoppage time, the official has the right to then add more time to the end of stoppage time. The game doesn't automatically end at 99 minutes as a result. So. Because they wasted give or take three minutes of that stoppage time, the ref then added about three minutes to that stoppage time. So instead of ending at 99, it ended at 102. So as a result, Mexico was able to score in that extra little bit of time added to the stoppage time, I believe at the 100th minute. And then boom, they score, aggregate is equalized, and suddenly now it is going to extra time. Honduras was not pleased at all. We had a Honduran player who wasn't playing actually pick up a red card, so he actually had to leave as a result. It was just not a fun, it was not a pleasant, you know, scene. They were very upset. Then you had, you know, after the penalty shootout, after losing, um, including, you know, one, you know, two of the shots had to be redone because of the fact that the goalkeeper got off the line early, which if that happens, then you have to redo the shots and eventually the goal was scored. Just a very ugly series of events for Honduras. And, you know, those players were then suddenly saying, ah, this only happens in Mexico. You know, Mexico is getting favorable treatment, blah, blah, blah. But the time wasting, the time wasting was what killed them. <laughs> so let it be known. Honduras frankly played themselves. Because instead of trying to score against our defense, who was not doing very well, like, I'm not kidding. Our defense was giving up quality opportunities to the Honduras offense. So they honestly could have just scored a goal. Dagger game would have been over, honestly. They would have been moving on. But instead, they were trying to waste time and more instead of playing the game. So they just shot themselves in the foot. Plain and simple. You know, modern, you know, keep this in mind. If you are a football fan and you watch a game full of time wasting... Keep in mind games like this, because modern technology is making it where now officials know exactly how much time is wasted, how long the ball has not been rolling, and as a result, it means time-wasting tactics like faking injury are becoming more and more of a gamble. So if you are watching a game and you are seeing a lot of injury time-wasting, be ready for that time, to, that game to end a lot you know, later than expected, because you know it's just... 
You can't you can't rely on it nearly as much anymore. Again, excuse me, I keep bumping into things. You can't rely on it as much anymore. Um, you know, in the past, really easy to abuse because the official had to like keep track himself, and you know that's a lot of estimating. Nowadays, though, you like got the headsets, they got the timekeepers, they got all these other cameras and officials. I think they even got like a chip in the ball or something in the balls to really show how long that ball has been moving. So. You know, gone are the days of classic time-wasting tactics. So, sorry Honduras, you can complain all you want, but you played yourselves. Though, you know, as a Mexico fan, oof, um, let's try not to get into that situation again. Let's just comfortably win games and not give up bad goals to the team, to your opponents in the first leg. Let's just, let's just clean it up. But, you know, I admit we got through by the skin of our teeth, but... Now, Honduras saying that it was rigged and that, you know, Mexico got favorable treatment. It's like, no, time wasting. Be careful. No longer the, you know, guaranteed gamble like it used to be. So, yeah, there you go. Mini tangent because I feel so passionately on that one. And again, you know, if you're going to play or if you're going to mess around, you know, you're going to find out <laughs> to say the very least. Um, so with that, you know, and that tangent there that wrapped up the men's international break in CONCACAF, and so with all those matches in the books, let's actually take a look at how things are standing. So, first of all, Nations League B, the second tier of the Nations League. In Group 1, Guadeloupe sits firmly in the one promotion spot, with St. Kitts and Nevis sitting in the rele relegation spot, but they are close to St. Martin. So, for co context, the groups in these leagues in leagues B and C are actually only four teams big. Top team advances and gets promoted. Bottom team gets relegated specifically in B and C. That is the lowest level, so you don't get relegated. Um, so just want to keep that in mind. I'm going to mention only those teams that are in the prime spots. So in group two, Nicaragua actually lead the group with Barbados currently in the relegation spot by a firm margin. Uh, it's been tough for Barbados. They haven't earned a single point. So not even a draw, no wins. It's been it's been tough. In Group 3, French Guiana barely lead it with Belize currently sitting in the relegation spot, only three points behind um, French Guiana, meaning that anyone actually can get relegated at this point. And then in Group 4, it is Guyana sitting in the promotion spot with Puerto Rico not very far behind, and the Bahamas sitting in the relegation spot. However, they are within striking distance of Antigua and Barbuda. So in Champions League, not Champions League, Nations League C, the very lowest level. Group 1, it is St. Martin sitting quite comfortably in the promotion spot. Group 2, it is Aruba running away with the group and in the promotion spot. And in Group 3, it is Dominica sitting as the promotion team. Of course, focusing on the A now where it's that championship bracket kind of thing going on. Um, we will see the United States play Jamaica in that two-leg semifinal. And Mexico play Panama, a rematch of the Gold Cup final this year. Um, those semifinal matchups won't occur until March of next year, so we are a hefty way away from those ones. But of course, you know it's been a wild time in Concacaf to say the very least. But as it stands right now, the November break there in Concacaf is all wrapped up and done for. So with that, we're gonna move on now to Europe, UEFA, the Euro qualifiers trying to get into the biggest competition there. So in last week's episode, we did mention that some of the matchups that did finish on Friday morning 
Um, so we're going to talk about the games that were going on during the recording of last week and, of course, the matches afterwards. So last Friday, in the matches that were still going on, we saw Denmark narrowly defeat Slovenia at home. England beat Malta at home 2-0, so actually not nearly the convincing result, you know, as convincing a result I would have expected for England against Malta, so a bit of a surprise there. Then you had Italy, a nice handy victory over North Macedonia at home 5-2, and then Poland, the one-all draw with Czechia. On Saturday, the matches that followed up, it was Armenia, one-all draw with Wales, Belarus, a 1-0 narrow victory at home over Andorra, Croatia, a nice road victory over Latvia, 2-0. I said it last week, rest in peace Gibraltar, and it came true. France absolutely annihilated Gibraltar, 14-0 at home. Yeah, uh, to say the least, the French well-oiled machine going on there, and poor Gibraltar, they're just, they are there just as the sacrifice to get through and try and do something, but yeah, oof. Absolutely brutal loss for Gibraltar. We also saw Romania, a narrow 2-1 victory against Israel on the road. And then we saw the Netherlands pick up a very close 1-0 win at home over Ireland. So Ireland picked up a really good fight in that one. And then finally, to wrap up on Saturday, it was a one-all draw between Switzerland and Kosovo. On Sunday, not as many matches, we saw Hungary defeat Montenegro at home 3-1. Serbia and Bulgaria ended in a two-all draw. Belgium, they dominated Azerbaijan at home 5-0. Sweden defeated Estonia at home 2-0. Slovakia picked up a narrow road victory over Bosnia and Herzegovina 2-1. Luxembourg narrowly defeated Liechtenstein on the road 1-0 in the battle for the city-states. Portugal got a nice win at home 2-0 over Iceland. Scotland and Norway battled out a 3-all draw. There was not as much defense going on there. And then Spain defeated Georgia at home 3-1. On Monday, opened it up with Albania, scoreless draw with the Faroe Islands. Uh, We saw Czechia, nice handy defeat of Moldova at home 3-0. North Macedonia actually picked up a very big result, a one-all draw with England. England was not looking too convincing this international break again. A one-all draw with North Macedonia team. I think everyone was really expecting the English to, to beat by a decent margin, but regardless, split points between those two teams. Northern Ireland picked up a 2-0 victory over Denmark at home. A little bit of an upset going on there. Finland, narrow defeat of San Marino on the road, 2-1. San Marino finally scores yet another goal. They're a bit of a meme, if we're being honest. And then Slovenia, same exact result as those two at home over Kazakhstan. And Ukraine earned a scoreless draw against Italy. A big result there. On Tuesday, to wrap it all up, We saw Israel defeat Andorra on the road 2-0. Croatia a close 1-0 victory at home over Armenia. The Netherlands then, you know, Gibraltar once again, rest in pieces. 6-0 comfortable victory on the road for the Netherlands. Then we saw Greece actually pick up a bit of an upset, a 2-all draw with France, forcing France to split the points. Obviously, you know, not having a major effect on the French in their qualifying bids. However, you know, a big result there for Greece. Obviously expected to have lost that one, but hey, splitting a point with a very good team like that, that is a big, big, big result. Belarus then narrowly defeated Kosovo on the road 1-0. Romania narrowly defeated the Swiss on the road, at home, I mean, 1-0. And then Wales, a one-all draw with Turkey. So after all those matchups, these are how the qualifier groups more or less stand. We're going to focus, of course, on the teams that are qualifying. 
Um, Spain and Scotland currently sit in the top two spots, the qualifying spots in Group A by a pretty good margin. Um, so really quickly, the top two teams in each group of the Euro qualifiers qualify for the main tournament in advance. Uh, group B, it is France and the Netherlands leading. Group C, it is England and Italy, although Ukraine is actually only outside of qualification by a goal differential as they are tied with Italy on points. Turkey and Croatia lead Group D. Albania and Czechia lead Group E. Belgium and Austria lead Group F by a pretty hefty margin. Hungary and Serbia lead Group G, although Montenegro currently remains a threat to Serbia. Denmark and Slovenia currently lead Group H. Romania and Switzerland lead Group I, though Israel not too far behind the Swiss. And then Portugal and Slovakia lead Group J. So if the qualifiers ended today, those teams I just mentioned would make the main tournament. So of course, there's still a lot of time to change those margins. So we'll see how this kind of unfolds as the next time these international squads uh, take action. Um, and right now, we're going to remind you, because it's been a little bit of time, hydration. Please stay hydrated. We're going to take a little hydration break here. Um, but yeah, please stay hydrated, y'all. It's been 35 minutes. I've been talking a lot, but you know, hydration, very important. Please take it. Well, with the power of editing, we're back from our hydration break, so hope you all took the time to get hydrated. And with that, we're going to go into South America with the CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers. So CONMEBOL, they are the South American Football Federation. They have their international tournaments actually include World Cup qualification because even though we're a distant out, you know, we're a good distance out. It's not going to be till 2026 till the next World Cup. However, because of the fact that there's not as many countries in South America, makes it a little easier just to schedule these kinds of qualifier matches. And, you know, they do this big, big qualifying um, group where every single team, you know, nas uh, national team is involved. And, you know, we'll mention who's currently in the qualifying spots as it stands. But, of course, we're first of all going to actually talk about the results. Um, we're going to do a rare thing here, though. We're actually going to talk about a thing that happened before last episode because, in our last episode, there was a bit of a misjudgment on how long it was going to take for me to get through these subjects. And so I did not include Cornwall, um, but we are actually going to talk about the matchups that happened last Thursday, the 16th. We're traveling back in time, and we're talking about those matchups instead. So first of all, those games opened up with Bolivia defeating Peru at home 2-0, followed by a scoreless draw between Venezuela and Ecuador. Uruguay then picked up a big 2-0 win on the road against rival Argentina. Colombia upset Brazil at home 2-1 in a very close win, and then we had a scoreless draw between Chile and Paraguay. On Tuesday, after a good bit of rest, the window wrapped up. We saw Colombia narrowly defeating Paraguay at home on the road 1-0. Ecuador picked up the same result at home, this time over Chile. Uruguay then handily defeated Bolivia, Bolivia at home 3-0. Argentina then narrowly defeated their big rivals Brazil on the road 1-0. However, this match was bit more overshadowed by the fact that it had to be delayed due to a massive brawl between the fans of both teams. That game had to be paused for a good bit of time, but ultimately, Argentina did pick up the big victory. And then the final matchup of this international break was saw a one-all draw between Peru and Venezuela. So as it stands, the top six teams, Argentina, Uruguay, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, and Brazil, all sit in the automatic qualification spots for the next World Cup. The seventh team, Paraguay, sits in the interconference playoff spot, which means that they would go on to play in like this little bracket against 
some of the fringe contending teams of other conferences, such as CONCACAF and, you know, CAF, which is, uh, that would be Africa, UEFA, those kinds of teams. Teams that don't automatically make the cup but can still keep their hopes for World Cup glory alive. And then the bottom three teams, the teams 8, 9, and 10, Chile, Bolivia, and Peru, all remain in the hunt because, after all, only three points currently separate bottom team Peru from Paraguay, so... As it stands, there's a lot of matches still to be played. There's still, after all, you know, two-ish years to go, three-ish years to go between now and the 2026 World Cup. So, of course, these can really change on a dime. However, as it stands right now, you know, if the qualifying process ended today, we'd see a couple of teams automatically in and some teams just barely missing it. So, as we pivot now, it's finally time for the long and very often mentioned, I'm sorry for mentioning it so often, pivot to European football. Because after all, all the U.S. leagues, they're done for 2023. They're not going to be back for a little while until 2024. And so, as it goes, I will replace the United States leagues with German football. Because I actually really like the German leagues um, a bit more, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think uh, those are probably my favorite leagues in Europe as it stands, like if I were to put a hierarchy for the leagues in Europe that I watch, it'd be Germany at top, England second, Spain kind of in third, Italy tied for third because I kind of watch them a little bit. You know, I don't watch French uh, football partially because of the fact that like not many broadcasters in the United States actually carry them. Um, you know, German football is really accessible through ESPN+. Plus. Uh, English football is accessible through Peacock, you know, even no matter how relative, you know, mediocre that platform is. Spanish football, ESPN+. Plus. Italian football, Paramount+. Plus. If I want to watch French football, good luck. <laughs> I don't know French, and I don't really care to watch those games in French. Um, but yeah, just a little side tangent there, but yeah, I'm going to pivot with German football to replace the United States leagues because they're on their breaks. Um, just because, again, German football, really partial to it. I really do enjoy it, and it's going to be fun. So, you know, starting with this week, because just, you know, a bit of time considerations, we're going to be focusing on the top flight Fra uh, Bundesliga and then the Frauen Bundesliga, the top women's league, because I like to give the women the shout-out that they deserve. And then, you know, next week, we're likely to expand it to include the second level of German football, the two Bundesliga, because I like to match that format where I'm covering three leagues per nation. Um, so either way, let's actually look at the Bundesliga for the first time in this podcast's history, looking to match day 12 of the Bundesliga. So match day 12 actually opens up today. It is currently in progress because right now it is about 1.19 in the afternoon here, Mountain Standard Time. There is a match in progress. We have Köln hosting Bayern Munich as the opening matchup, the Friday midday game here. Of course, it's a prime time game there in Germany. And so those teams currently playing in action as we are recording this one. Tomorrow, we're going to see a lot more action as Borussia Dortmund will host Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Borussen Derby. Freiburg versus Darmstadt. We'll see Union Berlin versus Augsburg. Werder Bremen versus Bayer Leverkusen, the team that I am most, that my favorite team of the German leagues. Um, Wolfsburg versus Red Bulls Leipzig. Those matchups all at 7.30 in the morning, Mountain Standard Time. And then the primetime game, Frankfurt versus Stuttgart at 10.30 in the morning, Mountain Standard Time. So pretty accessible times, if I am being quite honest. Then Sunday, 
we will see Heidenheim play Bauckham and Hoffenheim play Mainz in that doubleheader. The first match will be at 7.30 in the morning, and the second match will be at 9.30 in the morning Mountain Standard Time. So a lot of good football coming up this weekend in the Bundesliga, of course. I gotta give the game of the week, obviously, to the Bruson Derby. Battle between Dortmund and Mönchengladbach. See who is the dominant team for this half of the season in that region. So that's going to be a fun, fun rivalry matchup. Of course, I'm not going to be watching that because at the exact same time, it'll be my team, Bayer Leverkusen, currently top of the table. A bit of a surprise this season. Trying to hold on and keep that lead, you know, coming back from the break. Trying to make sure that Bayer Munich is not able to catch us. So we'll see what happens there. But regardless, looking ahead at to the Bundesliga as they return from the international break. And so with that, we're going to move down into the top women's league in Germany, the Frauen Bundesliga. This league is honestly entering a very interesting bit of time as match day eight, of course, wrapped up over this last weekend. And match day nine is actually not set to kick off in a couple for a couple of weeks. This is because of the fact that the women's international break is actually drawing quite close. Um, the women's international break does not technically start this weekend. However, the Frauen Bundesliga is taking the week off. They are actually going to give a little bit more time in transition. Um, technically, the international break starts next weekend. So next week, next episode, we're going to be talking a bit more about the women's international break. But regardless, due to scheduling, the Frauen Bundesliga is actually taking a little break a little early. So as a result, we're just going to stick to recapping what happened over the last weekend in match day eight. And so last Friday, the 17th, this actually happened before the last episode where it was recorded, a bit more of time traveling. We saw Essen handily defeat Hoffenheim on the road 3-0 to open up the match day. On Saturday, we saw Frankfurt defeat Nuremberg on the road 2-0. And then Wolfsburg, they got the same exact result at home this time over Duisburg. On Sunday, it was Bayer Leverkusen picking up a one-all draw with Red Bulls Leipzig. And then Bayern Munich defeating Werder Bremen on the road 2-0. On Monday, just one matchup to wrap up the match day. It was a three-all offensive draw between Freiburg and Köln. No team able to come out on top, and so both teams split the points. So, as the Frauen Bundesliga enters the international break after eight matches, Bayern currently lead the table in the automatic spot for the Women's Champions League in Europe. Automatic qualification. And then we have Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim. They are in the qualifier places, so they would have to fight their way to get into the main competition next year. Right now, Nuremberg and Duisburg currently sit in the relegation places. So, you know, at the end of the season, those two, if the season ended today, would get relegated to the second level. I believe it's literally just called the Two Frauen Bundesliga. You know, pretty, pretty simple naming there. However, of course, that is a lot. There's still a lot of games left to play, and so we'll see how these teams keep battling out once they return in a couple of weeks. However, you know, when we get to the women's international break, we're previewing a lot of games next week in that regard. We'll see what intriguing matchups come up, but we're going to be it's going to be exciting. Either way, I'm happy to bring German football into the mix and of course, next episode I will be talking about the second level of men's German football, the two Bundesliga just a matchup with what we do with American football. So, we'll see what that has in store. So as we begin to wrap up this one again, a lot of exciting football ahead. Resumption of the men's league means, you know, a lot more chaos will inevitably come. And of course, the women are starting to get closer to that international break. You know, some of their leagues are wrapping up, specifically, you know, the Mexican league, they're almost done. So it'll be especially intriguing because, you know, next week we're going to be looking actually at the UEFA Women's Nations League. 
So a lot of intriguing games set to be played in that one. We're going to preview that more in next, excuse me, next episode as those matches don't really kick off until like I'm probably going to be recording next episode if I'm being frank. So I'll leave it there. But also note, you know, Mexican leagues are almost wrapped up, which means that I'll be introducing another European league soon enough as part of the European transition. And, you know, chances are it's going to be the English leagues. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that the English leagues are actually my second favorite in, you know, the European leagues. So, you know, German, they're going to be replacing the U.S., and uh, England is going to be replacing Mexico. And so we'll be seeing how those go until, of course, we'll transition back to our main emphasis of U.S. and Mexico once they're back from their international breaks, which will be for a little while. So hope you all are just excited for that as, you know, a lot of intriguing developments have occurred. We also are probably going to be delving into the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, those kinds of affairs as we get closer and get into more of those games. Um, so, you know, just a lot more chaos to say the least. The European transition is finally, finally here. So I'd like to once again thank you all for tuning in as this was a yet another beefy episode as we wrapped up the November 2023 men's international break and see how those matchups have really affected the landscape of football. So either way, I am happy to say that this concludes yet another episode of It's Football, Not Soccer, the 20 November 2023 Men's International Break Super Special Part 2. So this has been your host, Daniel Cervantes. I will be seeing you all next week, December the 1st, kicking off December in exciting fashion. So once again, see you all next week. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend if you're here in the United States. And once again, have a good one.